Welcome to the Atlanta Football Party. Coming up on today's show, what Falcons player is having daddy issues? We'll talk about all that next right here on the Atlanta Football Party. It's a party, baby. The Falcons are at the top of the NFC South. Let's go. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh yeah, people, the party is actually back. So finally, after a three-game skid and after a bye week, we can say welcome to the football party. The Atlanta football party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis, Aaron Freeman, and Tori McElhaney. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. The Atlanta football party is part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Guys, they're back and the party's back to free. JD Torrey, this was long overdue. Like I mentioned, after three games, kid, the Falcons got back in the win column Sunday. We'll of course deep dive on the 24 to 15 win over the Saints and under further review and look ahead and around the Metro. But first, let's talk top three with JD Free and Tori. Now, guys, it's been a minute since we've been able to party, but we're able to today. And Jarvis said he wants to party again because Kayla McGarry has daddy issues. Do tell. Yes. So, you know, ever since Kayla McGarry has come into the National Football League, um, Cameron Jordan has adopted him as his son, you know. Like, Cam like to pass out a lot of love, and he has passed out a lot of love to Caleb McGarry over the years. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about and thinking that, you know, this is some type of brotherly love, I'm talking about on the football field and Cameron Jordan taking advantage of Caleb McGarry and when in passing situations and getting a lot of sacks. And Matt, and Matt Ryan is, is is very happy that he's no longer has to, him you know, <laughs> he have to worry about him anymore. So uh, I, I think... I think that this game kind of really kind of speaks to the, the the maturation of this offensive line as a whole, not only Caleb McGarry, but just the way he was just coming off the football and driving guys six to seven yards off the off the ball. Like when I, like that's a, that means a lot in the NFL because most guys, you know, are, are are really good football players. You know, obviously there's levels to it when you get into the National Football Football League, but to, to move a guy against his will like that. You know, at times during the game, especially to start off, it just yeah. kind of gave you a peek into, okay, like this is the type of play that we expected from this offensive line from jump. Now, however they're able to tap into it, they need to continue to do that. And then for those reasons, I feel like, you know, Caleb McGarry is estranged from his daddy. And, you know, as well he should be at this point in, in, in his career. And, you know, most of the time you love it when family is not estranged, when everything is going hunky-dory. But in this case, I'm going to have to give you a thumbs up on that one, Jarvis, because this is the one time where it is okay if son has fallen out with father. Now, Free, you said that for you, the reason you want to party again is because the whole is finally looking like it's greater than the sum of its parts. And that goes back to something we talked about last week. Yeah, we, we talked about last week where – this team will make take a step forward and then take two steps back. It always seemed like, and it was like, okay, one of these games, 
all of these elements of this team are going to put it together and they're going to mm-hmm. play a good football game. And even though this wasn't the best football game the Falcons have played all year long, it has been considerably better than what we have seen over the last month. And that gives you the type of confidence that you want to have coming out of the bye week that for this team to be able to put together and string together a stretch of of very winnable games and, and actually play good football so that hopefully, hopefully, again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, whatever you want to use. But hopefully we might be saying in you know six weeks from now, hey, this team played their best football on their way to the postseason, which is exactly what you want. And you saw that on Sunday. You saw the run game have probably its best game of the year. You saw the defense, and we'll talk probably more about this, sort of locking down the Saints in those critical situations in the red zone. They did a lot of bending, but they did almost no breaking. Turnovers were critical. And you also saw their quarterback, although he had a couple of turnovers, but you saw, excuse me, you saw Desmond Ritter, I think, making strides and making plays with not only his legs, but also his arm. And so it feels like this is the version of the Falcons team that we have been pining for all year long. And it doesn't get any better than seeing that version of the team coming out of the bye week and especially against the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. And Tori, when you look at the rest of this division, and again, not that we're using them as a calibration, but hey, the goal is to win the division. So that's why I'm talking about it. When you look at the fallout that continues to happen with Carolina, we just heard this morning that Frank Reich has been relieved of his duties, one and 10 on the season, just a little over a year to the day when he was relieved of his last head coaching duties. So it's still a cluster bubble in Carolina. The Saints don't really know their head from their tail. So it appeared yesterday. And well, we know what's going on with the Bucks as well. They have issues under center. Now's probably the time where you want this team, Tori, to finally find its mojo and start trending up. And they look like they did because really they kept their foot on the gas pretty much for an entire 60. Yeah, and you bring up such a good point about, you know, finding their mojo. And and to me, it was really intriguing because I know some people don't believe in a word called momentum. I know that's sometimes a, a big thing where people are like, oh, momentum is just in our head. It doesn't exist. I'm a firm believer in momentum. And for the first part of this entire season, I feel like there were so many instances where the Falcons found momentum, but weren't able to capitalize on that momentum and weren't able to hold on to it until the end of the game. And I felt like maybe for the first time all season, I did feel like the Falcons found and held on to momentum when they were playing the Saints. And I I go specifically to one moment, one series of events that does show a specific growth. And it was, okay, Jesse Bates, phenomenal yesterday. I think we can all agree on that did some really, really good things outside of just the two turnovers. I mean, but you go to the one where he forced the fumble at the very, very end of the third quarter. So to start the fourth quarter, the Falcons get the ball on their five-yard line, and they drive down, and you saw them, you know, put up seven points with a touchdown from Desmond Ritter with a guy in his face to Bajon Robinson in the end zone. I mean, it was it was a really, really great drive for this offense, but also I think something that has been missing for this group as a collective is the fact that there have been a lot of times where this defense, especially early in the season, this defense came up with a stop, came up with an interception or a fumble, just a turnover in general. And the offense never capitalized on those moments where they could have held on to the momentum that the defense gave them. That's something that they did uh, on Sunday against the saints. And, And that's something that to me, I think matters that swing matters 
as this team moves forward because you want the the good to outweigh the not so good. And, and that was something that, you know, we know who this team is at this point. I think last week I talked about, you know, looking for an identity and, you know, there are still the same problems that persist. The Falcons still have a turnover problem on offense. This defense is still get, giving up one too many explosive plays for their liking. But can the good outweigh the bad? Can you still find those moments where you're holding on to the momentum and keeping it until the end of the game in order to win the game? And, and you saw that, I think, on Sunday. And I think that's a great point because when you look at Derek Carr's numbers, not that much different than Des Ritter's, right? 24, 38, 304 yards and an interception. Look at Des's numbers, a little bit lower, but let me make the point when I say not much different. 13 of 21, 468 yards, a touchdown and two picks, but 30 critical yards on the ground and a reset from the two interceptions to get the touchdown. I think to your point, Tori, that's where you start seeing it looking like maybe some shades of what we saw earlier in the season where, hey, if you do make a, if you do make a mistake, then the defense is going to erase your mistake. And now we just need you to capitalize on the erasure. And all of those things happened at a critical moment because, yeah, you're talking about the beginning of the fourth quarter where the game is still in hand for the Saints. And literally a methodical 95-yard drive. I think Desrider was, what, four of four on that drive. Those are the kinds of things that are important because it's also mental. We talk about the physical aspect of this game, but you're coming back after the bye. Your coach is basically saying, hey, I'm putting the offense back in your hands. And you're saying, hey, I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to run with that. And also you're going back to being the Ritter that plays carefree ball and understands, hey, if I make a mistake, I got to shake it off because I've got to do my part to get this team back to a win. And then looking at all the other parts, Tori, and I know we're going to talk about it in uh, the deep dive under further review, but looking at critical moments where the rock was handed to the right player at the right time, Drake London getting the ball when Drake London was supposed to get a ball, when you expected him to get the ball, Kyle Pitts getting the ball and doing something with it when it was important. And Tyler Algier saying, hey, whole building pretty much knows we're going to run the ball, but watch me stuff it absolutely down your throats and dare you to do something different. And that is what this team has been, not just the beginning of this season, but that's this team's identity. I feel like this is the first time in probably a month or so that we've been able to talk about the fact that this team is back to its original identity. Yeah, so I think that's oh, one of the ahead. things that, that, that's, that's, that's really cool about watching it. Like, I think you bring up a great point, like towards the end of the game, and I was even, uh, I think Steve Weiss of the NFL Network, he had talked about how, you know, how they were able to run the football. He had tweeted it out. And I was like, I responded. I was like, yeah, it's almost as if they have an offensive lineman as a, as a head coach and then a play caller, right? So it's, it's, it's just cool to see at the end of game, them closing out the game the way they did. And, the, and Arthur Smith talked about it as, as such in the post-playing presser. Like, that's how you close out a game. Like when everybody knows that you're actually going to run the football, you're trying to run out the clock, and there's nothing that they can do about it. And it, that's like to, to see the offensive linemen in their element because, hey, they would much rather go forward than having to actually backpedal and try to block guys going full speed running at them. So I, to, to see them in that element, to see the identity of the coach, you know, portray play out on the field, I think it was just a really cool sight to see. And then shout out to the Falcons for being able to do that because we know these last three games have been very bad. and It hasn't been the party. So for them to be able to go out there and accomplish that on a Sunday coming off a bye, that lets you know that, hey, this coaching staff got to get some credit as far as to what they're able to do. 
Yes. And in the Petty Files report, lest we forget the efforts of one Caden Ellis and David Onyemata, and also the former Saints coach, Ryan Nielsen, for sticking it to their old team. And we're going to talk a little bit more about their efforts on the other side in the deep dive under further review. But before we go into our deep dive, I want to tell you guys a little bit about LinkedIn and BetterHelp. So these days, every new potential hire can feel like it's a high stakes wager for their small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available if you're that small business. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs, again, helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now I want to tell you guys a little bit about better help. When you think about where we are as far as the holiday season, it's not the easiest for everybody, right? And it doesn't have to be because you don't have to walk that walk alone. If you are feeling a little bit like you have the seasonal blues or kind of struggling to get through the holidays, better help is for you. It's natural that you might feel that way, sad or anxious, but if you can add this to your life to counteract some of those feelings, this therapy can really be a bright spot for you amid all the stress and change. It's something to look forward to, make you feel grounded and give you some critical tools to help you manage everything. So if you've benefited from therapy or coaching, like I know I have, feel free to share your experience with us because we want to share our experience with you of how tools like what BetterHelp offers can help you to get to where you want to be. So again, find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E- lp.com slash locked on NBA. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. All right, guys, we're taking this game under further review. The Saints, if you give credit where credit is due, they were moving the ball well at will, especially in the first half, except they were over five in the red zone at the end of the day. Tori, how were the Falcons able to turn the tables and turn their own Achilles heel, the red zone, into an Achilles heel for their arch rivals? Yeah, it really was. I think more than anything, it felt like a bend but don't break performance for this defense. And, you know, I, I talked to some guys in the locker room about it after the game, and they're like, yeah, if we can, ha- as a team, kind of have that mentality of, of bend but don't break, because you understand that not every game, you're not going to play a perfect four quarters of every game but you can show up when it matters most. And that's something that this defense did on Sunday. I think it's something that they've been missing over the last probably month of the season, as we've talked about before, but it's something they got back to. And and I think that there was something that I was really pleased with on Sunday is that it really did feel like a true rivalry game. There were a lot of kind of some jawing here and there, and there was, you know, some, some, I think some words said and some conversations had back and forth and, it, that is 
that's really fun when when you're in this rivalry environment and someone like, you know, Caden Ellis and David Onyemata and Ryan Nielsen, who have been on both sides of it. I mean, I only talked to to Caden Ellis in the locker room, but he was pretty, pretty pleased. But it was something else, too, where the Falcons like I honest, honestly feel like having talked to them that they, to a certain extent, like willed this win into existence and. I say that because they talked a lot. So many of them in the locker room after the game talked so much about this Wednesday practice that they had where it was the battle of all battles. And it was like a training camp practice and they were going at each other. They had the pads on. It was crazy. It was hectic. And they said that that kind of set the tone for the week. And it honestly felt going into that game that the Falcons just wanted it more. They wanted the win more. That's what it felt like in the moment. And having talked to guys in the locker room afterwards, particularly this defense that, you know, didn't give up a touchdown, that was kind of what it felt like. They're like, okay, we'll give you this explosive play, but when we get inside the 20, you're not going anywhere. And I think that's kind of – that was the difference in this game. Yeah, and Aaron, it feels like at least when the Falcons were on the losing end, it always felt like once they got into the red zone, things just tightened up so much on them that they couldn't breathe and couldn't get in for the score. They did that. The the Falcons defense did that to the Saints. And it was actually, it was really, and when I say exciting, meaning you're doing this without Grady Jarrett. You know, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. You're doing this with David Anyamata coming back from injury and not probably 100% himself. And yet you're getting things out of guys here and there like, you know, if Arnold WKT actually actually does something, you know, I'm always going to shout it out. So you're getting things like that to be able to use what is your Achilles heel or which what has been your Achilles heel at times on offense this season to turn the tables and do the same to to your nemesis. Yeah, I think it's a great point, because when we talked about the impact of Grady Jarrett's injury, we talked about it in sort of a basketball context of he's the guy that can get you that bucket. And I felt like the Falcons, other players stepped up and were like, OK, it's clutch time in the red zone. I'll get you that bucket. And namely, that was uh, uh, Jarvis's boy, uh, Jesse Bates, with two very timely oh, wait, 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 Aaron. Hold on, hold on, Aaron. Come on now. Like, you gave that man a nickname. I need you to to, to continue to ride with that, because okay. I don't want you to take that back. Like, so what have you now? What do you now call him? Like, Jordan. I need you to apologize. You have crowned him Jordan. Yes, Jordan. And he, Jordan you. got a lot Thank of buckets you. in his day. So, <laughs> yeah. so Jesse Bates went out there and and continue, he he went out there and and made the plays, especially with those two very very timely turnovers that resulted in you know 14 points for the Falcons. Seven of them single handedly coming from him running 92 yards on the field on that pick six. And the other one, as we talked about earlier, uh, resulted in a 95-yard scoring drive for the Falcons. So I, I think that's what you need when you're missing sort of a key piece of your defense like Grady Jarrett. You need those other star players like Jesse, a.k.a. Jordan Bates, to kind of step up and, and you know, play like stars that we know they are capable of being. And, and Jesse Bates was one of those. As you mentioned, Arnold Epichetti got a couple of plays, David Onyemata as well. Uh, so that's what you need from this defense. Yeah, and, and Jarvis, to, to follow up on what Aaron's talking about, I think that not to be lost there because how many times this season when they mostly on the losing side where we've said, can someone just tackle? Can someone just make a tackle? And Jesse Bates III led the way with 12 of those 70 tackles yesterday. So I think that's huge as well, not to take anything away from the fumble, not to take any way, anything away from the pick six, but in order to keep, 
a team in order to keep the team from not advancing the ball in order for keeping the team having to kick a field goal instead of being able to score you also have to be sure that you don't allow someone to break free and go for that seven or break free and get chunk yards and i think that's something that because we've seen it at times where we've like you know hit ourselves on the head like what the heck can't you just get a tackle that's like football 101 to see him be able to do that and see this team do it for the most part cleanly yesterday i thought was a good look too yeah like for him to be able to lead that charge right you know that's that's the that's why you paid him you know mm -hmm. you look to your guys you know in those moments like when you need a bucket like you know jordan was the man to go to so you know aaron deemed him jordan so hey, when the Falcons need a bucket on D, I'm going to number three. Like, I need to see that. Like, let's continue to see that. Like, because that makes that makes this defense, you know, elevate, right? Like, that's because that's what they need to do going down the stretch because, you know, if uh, nine's still going to turn the ball over, like, you're going to need your defense to stop teams in the red zone and turn them over. Like, because, like, the more opportunities and short fields you can give this offense, I think that's going to go work out in the Falcons' favor as far as winning this division. But I, I really feel like I have to talk about, you know, Ryan Nielsen because, you know, there were some, you know, things that we talked about as far as leading up to, you know, I talked about this on Aaron's show on Locked on Falcons about, like, some adjustments need to be made defensively, right? Like I, I brought up the fact that, hey, Richie Grant hasn't been quite cutting it because he's been one of those guys like, no, just make the tackle, like – <laughs> I seem like that been directed at 27 for quite some time. So you saw, you know, now Grant still started the game, but you saw, you know, the Helms come in you know, in passing situations and you saw him kind of getting comfortable and, and his percentage, snap percentage, kind of went up, jumped significantly. I think he had 53% of the snaps, if I remember correctly. So for Ryan Nielsen to assess the situation, then you had Jeff Akuda, you know, had a little issue. Wasn't necessarily bad coverage, but, you know, Make the tackle. If if you're gonna catch the ball, you got to make the uh, make the tackle. So, uh, because it's a snowball effect, um, especially specifically on that play with uh, Chris, the over route to Chris Olave. So, I, I think that when you have situation, you see what's going on with your with your defense. You're saying you're assessing the situation, saying, okay, all right, if this if player X is not doing what I necessarily need him to do, just from a basic standpoint, hey. I got player Y that can come in and 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 be a, a a rotational guy for me, or I can I can increase his snaps and and not necessarily lose a beat, or you not even really notice, you know. So those are the type of some of the things that you need to see from your young players. And then when Trey Flowers came in for Jeff Okuda, came in made a couple plays as well. So that's what it's all about as far as making the necessary adjustments. Like you know, there's an issue. There's an issue here at this particular spot. I'm going to go ahead and make the adjustment. I'm had a conversation with that player and like, hey, man, like this is what I expect. If you're not giving me this, this is what's going to happen. And I love to see that from coaches because that's the – and you can still keep that that player tapped in too after after you make that change. So I think that Ryan Nielsen has, has done an excellent job and like this is the defense that we're used to seeing, right? The, the last three games has been a little weird, but like early on this is like, you know, Jordan, you know, he out here. I can give him the Carolina win, and I can give give, give him the uh, the win against the New Orleans Saints, which is a heat arrival, and the Falcons are sitting at the top of the NFC South because of it. Yeah, and Tori, you can't give credit to Ryan Nielsen without giving credit to Arthur Smith. He's been much maligned over probably the better more than the month. Honestly, take it beyond the three game losing skid. Arthur Smith called a nice game yesterday. No, 
Yeah, no, he did. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Falcons were having as significant a push up front as as they've had all, all year. And I know we've, we've talked about this run game, but the fact that you look at Bajon Robinson's usage, Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson, I thought this was the first time that I really felt like this looked how I thought it was going to look. Like if we're talking mm-hmm. about this team back in August – or even, you know, well before then when when the Falcons draft Bajon Robinson. Th- this game on Sunday was what I thought it would look like sooner than here we are in week 12. Uh, you know, right. and I understand there are things that, you know, circumstances dictate things. CP was not healthy for the first part of this year. Bajon mm-hmm. Robinson had the illness down in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, there are things that, that switch things up and, and you have to change. But I thought all three of those guys – were doing what they were brought in to do. Tyler Algier running over people. Cordero Patterson running like a man with his hair on fire. I mean, he was yes. angry running. He was just, it was peak Cordero Patterson. I love yes. to see it. And then, of course, Bashan Robinson having 123 all-purpose yards. I mean, the, the, leading the way with 91 rushing yards. This was what I wanted to see from this rushing attack from the jump. And a lot of it goes to the challenge of this offensive line to be better, to block downfield better for these backs. So all in all, I, I think that, and it, it does, it goes back to Arthur Smith in, in this too. And, and I think it was one of those things that everything was finally working the way that I, I thought it was going to be working for this, this run team, especially. Yeah. I, I would have to agree as well. It's like, Whoa. The three-headed monster. We've been kind of looking there for this it guy. Yeah, yeah the three-headed it. monster. And it almost was a four-headed monster at times because Desmond Ritter picked his places and his spaces mm-hmm. where he knew he had to run the ball to extend plays or extend the drive, and he did that. So it's almost like we got a sneak peek at a four-headed monster, and it was a really good look because everybody was making good decisions. I'm taking you know, the two picks aside, but I'm talking about just from the perspective of when to run, how to run, gaps being open, et cetera. That was a really good look, like you said, for the, the running back core, but also yeah. line that blocked for that core. So listen, we're going to go around the Metro in a minute, but first, Jarvis is here to tell you guys about prize picks and subtext. Folks, Darvis Davis here for Prize Picks. Listen up, guys. This episode of the ATL Football Party is brought to you by Prize Picks. Yes, guys. Locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks.com slash locked on NFL. That is the deal because Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports uh, platform in North America. Yes, we are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you just And it's just you against the numbers. None of that sharks and playing against thousands of people it's just all you gotta do is pick more or less on a player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in guys prospects has a really really cool offer it's called the reboot policy so that means that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return the second that player is rebooted prospects is the only daily fantasy sports uh, platform with an insurance, uh, injury insurance policy. So that is the coolest thing that you can probably do. So make sure you all you got to do is you let, let them know they have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports uh, platform. Now, all you got to do, guys, 
all your new customers. Go to prospects.com slash locked on NFL. Prospects.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. You heard that correctly. A first deposit match up to $100. Use code locked on NFL. It is highly encouraged, guys, to voice the following line. And you have to say it, guys, because Prospects is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, guys, let me tell you time. Give you, tell you about the, the offer that we got going on, guys. This is the Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. You can become an insider. What is that, Jarvis? All you got to do is go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. Joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta, and you become a Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider where you're going to get daily fantasy news, uh, uh, injury updates, breaking news, all 22 review right there to your phone. I'm telling you, it gets sent right to your phone. All you got to go is joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta, and you can try it out for, for two weeks. And if you don't like it, you can leave. And, and if you don't, all you got to do is say, hey, I want to be a, a Locked On Sports Atlanta insider today. Hello, hello. I'm back. I'm back. And we are all back. <laughs> Literally, you have one of those moments what where you're like, wait on. a minute. Right. What is exactly? And I'm like, what is going on? We are in the middle of a broadcast. My foot doesn't care that we're in the middle of a broadcast. <laughs> anyway, we are going around the metro. And like I said, pre-show, a little bit of FOMO because I was not able to be there yesterday. So I'm going to start with the guy who was the happiest about it. That's Jarvis. He was happy that he was in the building for the game yesterday. So Jarvis, go ahead. Stick your chest out. It was an amazing experience from what it appeared to be, but I'll let you tell them. What was your favorite part of the Falcon Saints game on Sunday? Uh, we have to be the performance by uh, an actual performance by Bone Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just so cool to see. Like, only thing that was missing was him taking his shirt off, you know, because that was like his thing back in the day. I'm Thank like, God. you know, Bone probably at a place in his life where he's just like, yeah, you know what? I ain't about to show everybody all this meat. So, you know, yeah, good God. for him. You know, <laughs> Thanksgiving had just passed. Everybody been eating good. So I don't think anyone wanted to see that on a day like that. But, yeah, it was really cool to see, like, every, pretty much every Atlanta artist that has had a hit in the past 30 years all on the field at the same time. And, you know, talking to a couple of people that I heard that certain people didn't want to be standing by folks because they ain't really mess with them like that. But, you know, you put your little... You know, issues aside for a few right. minutes, hey, to be celebrated. So, yeah, it was really cool to see. And then, yo, what was going on with Tip microphone? You know, like, we couldn't get the microphone to work. But, yeah, overall, it was it was great. And then Ludacris coming out the sky, it was just a lot of, a lot of good stuff going on at Mercedes-Benz on Sunday. Indeed, indeed. How about you guys? What were your most fun parts of the game? or what, And whether you were seeing it in person, on TV, like me, uh, what was the most fun part for you? Well, I think, I mean, Jarvis really went through the rundown, but I think for me, it was like, it was the first time since I've covered this team that I really felt the rivalry. Like I really felt like, especially here in Atlanta, like obviously COVID years, those are the outliers and everything like that. But I, I really wanted to get back to like what this rivalry is and just like the hatred that these two teams have for each other. And I actually felt that in the game. I mean, the, there was a little bit of a fight a little bit of a scuffle, which I was really excited about. You know, yeah. no one got thrown out or anything like that. So it's all good. But I I don't know. It was also maybe when, when Jesse Bates III picks off Derek Carr and returns at 92 yards, that was 
without question, the loudest and most excited I've heard this fan base in a very, very long time at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And that matters. Like you want Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is such a cool, I think, location. And and just I enjoy I've, – I've seen a lot of really good games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, a lot of them Georgia games, but whatever. But, you know, I want – that environment for the Falcons because I think this yeah. Falcons fan base deserves that. So to see that, to actively see that and to feel it and to hear it in the moment, that was probably, I think, my favorite part. Indeed, indeed. And yeah, honestly, I think that all, it was also because of all of the artists that were there because, like, yeah. oh, honestly, yeah. everybody, I would say a lot of people came just to see those guys. And if they want to see Ludacris repel yeah. from the roof, they, they got that, which that also was wild. <laughs> Yeah. And let me tell you, my home team is super petty. So expect to see all those shenanigans, Tori, come January 7th, because trust me, they're going to try to one up you. I already know. (laughs) That's what they do down here in New Orleans. Anyway, Aaron, what was your, and Aaron, it was interesting because Tori just mentioned something that the four of us know. This is a real rivalry. It has been a rivalry. This is the 108th game, and these teams are evenly split during the 108th. But once again, we get a broadcaster who's saying, hey, I didn't really kind of know that this was one of those kind of rivalries. What? Like, Aaron, when in the world? It's almost like the disrespect of the Eagles after they beat Kansas City last week and put it on the Bills and came back in overtime. And now they've got questions about going into the 49ers game. I feel like this is the same thing. Like, when are you going to put some respect on this rivalry's name? Well, you know, in defense of all these broadcasters and national folks that like I, I think it was a low-level rivalry nationally, just because the Saints. Oh yeah, no, like, and of course I'm being facetious. We no, know no, who I, these I, franchises like, were before ten or fifteen years ago, yeah. and that makes for it was like thirty years of these two thought. teams fighting it over for last place, and in, 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 right, in the US, right, and so that's what that's what makes the rivalry so strong because it was just like right. okay, these are the only games we're going to win all year long, so we yeah. need to definitely win a, against uh, each other. But yeah, yeah, I think you know this rivalry. This is why this win feels so sweet. Like you can overlook all the, the negatives and all the, the question marks because it's like you beat the saints. Like it doesn't matter yeah. how you beat them. The fact that you beat the saints and you know, the, the fact that, you know, you go listen to Ross Jackson on locked on saints. They're talking about the season being over. Like you could oh, yeah. ended their season with this type of win. And that's yeah. the type of thing that you want from this rivalry. But my favorite part of this game, you know, I wasn't there. So I'm watching this game and I'm like, this is really working for an agenda that I've been pushing on Lockdown Falcons for two months, which is like the Falcons miss Parker Hesse, and then they activate Parker Hesse. Oh, I knew it. And I then knew it. the Falcons it's run so for 228 yards rushing and have like the best rushing game of the season. And I'm just like, well, you know, my agenda, my narrative that I've been pushing for two months is thriving right now. So yeah. it's especially you beat the Saints and the Parker Hesse agenda is thriving. So I'm. it's a great day. Oh, it's a great goodness. Monday for me. The Hesse hive is alive and well. We love yes, to see it. it. Is. Parker Hess has returned. I repeat, Parker Hess has returned, if you listen to the national broadcaster. Hess has returned. Anyway, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop being petty. I'm just having a little fun here because, hey, we haven't had this kind of fun on the good side of it in a minute. We definitely were on the couch having fun a couple weeks ago when we needed to all get an extra hug. But now it seems like we're back in a good space. And hopefully we'll continue that because, of course, we know that the Falcons need to stack wins and get another one when they head to take on the Jets this Sunday. Listen, we appreciate you guys for stopping by the Atlanta football party. You're home for the best Falcons football talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. And, of course, the party continues Tuesday where we'll talk dogs on the Atlanta football party. We will see you tomorrow.